0: So Psalm 63, and uh, while we're turning to Psalm 63, uh, I want to just pray. Uh, Andy, we're done at 3 o'clock this afternoon, is that right? Yeah, 3? Great. <clears throat> no, seriously, is it 12? Is it we should finish. Whenever? Great answer. A, that's a dangerous answer. That's a dangerous answer to tell uh, someone who feels a bit like an evangelist. So, alright, let's, uh, let's pray because... Uh, I don't want to just, I don't want just great information, I don't want just great words and, and the odd semi-funny joke, I actually want to see God really come today. And so God, I, I ask that uh, you would just come, uh, that you would uh, really um, just come with your spirit, come with your power, now I ask, uh, would you just fill this place, uh, Lord, I thank you that... Um, We saw in the Old Testament that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Uh, The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I ask that your glory would come today in this place. Would your glory manifest in this place? Uh, There is nothing that I can do to help or transform, but you do that. And I pray that you would come and you would transform and that you would take us into greater places in the kingdom. Would you take us into new places in the kingdom? Uh, Lord, we don't just enter the kingdom, but we can go into new sort of areas, in a sense, of the kingdom. And I pray that you would take us deeper into your kingdom. And uh, I pray, Father, that you would encounter us, that you would meet us, and that we would not be the same. And so, Holy Spirit, I want to welcome you. You are the VIP guest, Holy Spirit, you are the VIP guest. And I pray that Jesus would be glorified, and we'd feel the Father's embrace in every fiber of our being today, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I, uh, I want to talk to you today about, uh, I want to actually get a preach out of Psalm 63. We're going to read verses 1 to 3 in a moment, but I was... Really encouraged when Andy got up here a moment ago and opened to Isaiah 63. And the first um, verse is, um, uh, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, as Andy read. And then Andy said, imagine if we could see God. He said something like that. Imagine what it would have been like to see God like that. And I just got crazy excited up the back. Because that is literally what I had planned to talk to you about today, is seeing God. That is exactly, if you look at my notes, it says there, seeing God. And Andy just totally kind of just gave a little warm-up message for what I want to say there. And, uh, but his was going to be a lot better than mine. But, uh, but I just am really encouraged because that tells me, okay, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit's wanting to say something, uh, is what that means. That means the Holy Spirit has something for us. Uh, a, a great big word of encouragement and something to strengthen us in our walk with Jesus. Uh, But that's exactly what I want to talk about today, seeing God. You see, some of us, we think that what happens is, is we get born again, we get forgiven, we get made clean, and then we just kind of finish our life. You know, we work, we do family, get a pension, you know, hopefully, you know, go to a Boxing Day test match once a year, and then, you know, we just finish our life. But actually, I think this is my opinion based on my reading of the scriptures, is the greatest privilege we are invited into as a born-again child of God, the greatest privilege we are invited into is to see and know God more. It is not just be a good Christian. It is not just be a good churchgoer. It is not just... You know, be good to the poor. Although those things are wonderful, I believe we are invited into this enormous privilege of to see, or you could word, use the word know, see or know God. Not na- not not when we get to heaven. Not not when we die and go to be with the Lord. It begins now. Now I could go, I could turn to the New Testament and talk about what Paul says. Uh, I consider it all rubbish. ...compared to knowing God, you know, Paul writes. And we could go there today, but I want to, in a moment, read from Psalm 63. But I want to I say to you today, my, my uh, desire is that for you today... ...that I would awaken a hunger inside of you to see and know God more. And that begins now. I don't care if you're, you're four years old or you're 140. That begins now. We see God. We get to see and know Jesus now. As Brendan was saying when he was leading worship, we get to see the King of glory now. Maybe it's not always like like it was for Isaiah, you know, in, in that portion that Andrew read, it might not always be bang, but we are still on this journey and we've entered into this privilege of where now I get to see and know God. And I want to tell you really honestly, and maybe a theologian can correct me on this later, but my number one prayer, honestly, what I pray about the most, my number one thing that I say to God in my prayer life is just, God, I want to know you. I just want to know you more. I, 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 I know that there is, I, I am scratching the surface. I, I want to know you more. I, I want to see you more. I, I, I know you, but I don't know you. I, I need to know you more. I need to see you. I am not alive to do cool Christianity. I am not alive to just be a quote unquote good Christian. You saved me, made me clean, came to live inside of me, thrust me into you, Christ in me, me in Christ. Why? So that I would know you, that I would see you, that you, that you would bring me into relationship, which is not we take a FaceTime once a month. No, no, you would bring me to yourself so that I could see you and know you. And that's what I'm going to do for eternity. But I know it begins now. You see, heaven is wonderful because we get to see Jesus. And I think we'll be like the, the elders around the throne, as Revelation says, where we'll just we'll see the king and we'll just bow down. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we'll just bow down and be like, whoa. And then we'll look up again, and then we'll just go down again. Whoa! Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That, that is the Christian life. I believe that the, the number one privilege that you and I can have right now in this life is to know God, to see God, I believe. Let's go to Psalm uh, 63. Let's read uh, what David has to say there. I remember we used to sing a song. I think it was by Greg Jones in Adelaide, South Australia. I think it was called Psalm 63. Is that, is that right? Worship leaders down the front, am I right? I loved that song. I want to find, find that CD. And you do not want me to sing it, let me promise you. Let me promise you. There will not be deliverance. There, there may be some slight torment. So let's read uh, Psalm 63. Uh, let me just give you a little backdrop here. This is a Psalm of David. Um, it's it's uh, Scholars um, are not sure whether it's David uh, in the wilderness before he becomes king of Judah and Israel. He's definitely in the wilderness, we know that. But the scholars uh, sort of discuss and debate whether it's David in the wilderness before becoming king of Judah and then Israel or it's likely to be when David is actually fleeing Jerusalem because his son Absalom has um, basically gathered his own army and is going to commit treason and overthrow his own father uh, from the kingdom. And uh, must have been probably the greatest time of pain in David's entire life. Based on what we see of David's life, it was probably the most time of most pain in David's life when his own son gathers an army marching into Jerusalem to to basically, or gathers a group of people to basically overthrow him as king. And David has to flee Jerusalem with some of his closest, you know, allies and friends. And so uh, likely it's actually that moment where he's actually fleeing Jerusalem from Absalom and that army. And so David writes this from the wilderness, oh God, you are my God. I long for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Yes, in the sanctuary I have seen you and witnessed your power and splendor. Because experiencing your loyal love is better than life itself, my lips will praise you. I want to actually focus today on verse 2, actually. That's where I really want to um, zero in. Uh, verse 2, David says, Yes, in the sanctuary I have seen you and witnessed your power and splendor. Most translations there actually say um, power and glory. And I actually really like that. Uh, but you can obviously use both words. I- I've seen you in the sanctuary. I have seen you and witnessed your power and glory. In my translation, the beginning of verse 2 uh, has the word uh, yes, has the word yes, and um, according to the New English translation, translation notes uh, done by the scholars there, uh, the Hebrew participle ken is used here to stress the following affirmation. In other words, the word yes is there in our Bibles, or that Hebrew word uh, ken is there to stress the following affirmation. And what is that affirmation? In the sanctuary, I have seen you. In the sanctuary, I have seen you. You could also put the word tabernacle there. In the tabernacle, I have seen you. That's pretty crazy because David actually did not go into the most holy place. But David was in the the. the Area just outside the most holy place. Uh, the, the, it's called the holy place. And uh, I, think, I, feel, I think I'm getting my terminology right. But uh, David didn't go into the very place where the ark of the presence of God was. He did not go in there. And yet David was in the sanctuary, and he's reco- he, he had been in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle, and he's recalling that in the sanctuary he had seen God. Yes, I have seen God. In, I, yes, in the sanctuary, I have seen you. Uh, again, according to the scholars over there at the New English Translation, uh, the perfect verbal form is understood here as referring to a past experience which the psalmist desires to be repeated. So the, 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 the way the Hebrew is constructed there, it's refer, David is clearly referring to a past experience which he, he desires to be repeated once again. So you can imagine he's in the wilderness and, it's, and he's in trouble. He's in serious trouble. He's not doing well in the wilderness. Whether it's before he's king or when Absalom's kind of driven him out of Jerusalem, regardless, he's in trouble and it's not going well for him. And he's thinking back to those times where he was in the sanctuary and he'd seen God. He'd seen him there because as you would recall, in that day, where was God? God was in the tabernacle before the temples were built in, in the latter part of our Old Testament. He, had, he Where God was was in the tabernacle and then later the temples. So if you wanted to If if you want to find God, that's where God was, and so David is thinking back to when he'd seen Him in the tabernacle, and he's longing for that to be repeated again. He's longing to see Him again, to experience that once again, to to have that experience again that he had back then. He's like, I wish. It's like he's saying, I wish. I could see you like that again. Here I am in the wilderness. Here I am, you know, without my, without life going well, but what's he longing for? He's not longing for a nice home and he's not here longing in this psalm for a nice home, a family, you know, uh, a reputation in the kingdom. He's longing from the wilderness that he would once again see his God. That's stunning. Like, that's crazy. If it was me, I'd probably be longing for a power Powerade. And he's longing to see God. He's longing to see the Lord. The, the scholars also say that another option is to um, take the the perfect verbal form as indicating the psalmist 's certitude that he will wa- that he will again stand in god 's presence in the sanctuary so it, it could be understood that he 's actually saying here that he will likely stand again in god 's presence in the sanctuary and in this case one could translate it i will see you i will see you In the sanctuary, it could be translated that way. I will see you. I'm going to see you again. I'm going to see you again. You could just feel the, we saw it in verse 1, the longing, the yearning of David to see God. I long to see you. I long to see you in the sanctuary. I will see you. It's like he's hanging on to that hope. Like that's the hope that he's hanging on to. I'm going to see you. Once again, and it must have been giving him strength. He, He must have been drawing strength on the fact that one day again, when when this trouble is over, he will see the Lord once again. Charles Spurgeon said this: "The sight of God was enough for him, but nothing short of that would content him." Let me say that again: the sight of God was enough for him and nothing but nothing short of that would content him i want to be like that that's what i want to be like the sight of god was enough for david i want to be like that that's enough that i would see the lord that that would be the pursuit of my life I love the title of that book. I think it's by A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of the Holy. Like just that pursuit, that would, I, my prayer for myself and for us is that that would be the central penultimate pursuit of our life to see, or in other word, know God. And, and I pray, that, like Spurgeon says, that we'd be like David, nothing short of that would content him. I love what um, I heard Bill Johnson say uh, years ago, that I'm thankful for what I have, and yet I'm not satisfied. It's both and. I'm thankful for what I have. Christ is in me. End of story. Full stop. I almost said period then. Full stop. Huh? Full stop. I know where I am. Full stop. God is in me and I'm in Jesus, Jesus is in me, and I'm in Jesus, I am so thankful, and yet, I have so much more to see and know, I have scratched the surface, Jesus, said, uh, Jesus it says in John 1, of his fullness, we have all received, I have not seen him in his fullness, and, and I can tell you right now, nor of you, We have not seen him in his fullness. I want to see him more and more in his fullness. You might say, well, Matt, that's not going to happen in this life. Yeah, I understand that. I might not see him in his fullness and probably actually not for all eternity. Well, that's actually going to be an unfolding thing in eternity. We're just going to see him more and more and more and more in his fullness. The king of glory, more and more and more and more and more in his fullness. But I want to know more now. I want to see more now. My scriptures invite me into that walk, like Andy was saying when he read it from Isaiah and what he saw, the way he saw the Lord. King of glory, high and lifted up. Whoa! But now I get invited into this experience to see and know him more. And when I walk the streets at night just praying, you know, as a father of children of three, it's like sometimes like 10 minutes, but that'll do. You know, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you. More. I want to see you. There's so much more to know of you. I want to. I want to, I want. I've tasted and I've seen, but I want to see you more. Like David, I've. I, I have seen you. I have seen you, but I want to see you more. The psalmist's longing, or David's longing, was to see God. That was his longing. You know, it's not the scriptures. I believe invite me into this experience. But you know what also invites me into this is the stories I hear of men and women gone by. When I hear like the way Smith Wigglesworth experienced God, I'm like, God, I've got to have that. You just need to pick up a Smith Wigglesworth book and go, whoa, that is that possible? Pick up a book of the life of Evan Roberts of the Welsh Revival, 24 years old or something when the revival started in Wales. Literally shook the whole nation. But before the revival started, when Evan Roberts was about 24 years old, this is in about 1904, if you're wondering when it is. Before the revival started, God actually visited Evan Roberts in his room and actually spoke to him through the night for hours and was telling Evan Roberts what he was going to do in the land. And so Evan Roberts was actually preaching as a 24, 25 year old in his little church, Mariah Chapel. I've been there. It was super special. And uh, he's preaching in that Mariah Chapel. He has a certainty in his heart. I know God's about to move in the land. And we just need to prepare. He talks about how the, the wood's been laid. And uh, he says something like, the, the, the wood and the altar's been laid. We only need to wait for the fire. And, but the reason he could say that is because he'd been visited by the Lord. Well, you know what preceded the visiting of the Lord? is he writes in his journal, he says, I was thinking over the failure of Christianity in his nation. I was thinking over the failure of Christianity. And oh, it seemed like such a failure. And I began to pray and pray and pray for revival. And nothing seemed to give me any relief. And he just prayed and prayed for revival for 10 or 11 years. Let that be an encouragement to some of you that have been praying for revival. And you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you you might get discouraged because sometimes you feel like you don't see what you wanna see. Well, let me tell you, 10 or 11 years, Evan Roberts, it actually clearly from his journals, we can see he got a bit frustrated. Like he could feel the, the tension inside of him that he was not seeing what he wanted to see. But after 10 or 11 years, God shows up in his room in the night. I don't know exactly what it looks like. You can go research it for yourself. But God seemed to actually speak to him. Evan Roberts says in his journals, face to face, like a man speaks to his friend. And God spoke to Evan Roberts because he saw what was happening in his heart. He saw the desires of his heart, probably the purity of his heart. And he saw the desires of his heart and said, I'm going to move in the nation. And now the rest is history. The whole nation was turned upside down with a revival. The, the coal miners would pray had go to 6 a.m. prayer meetings 5am prayer meetings, I think, before starting work at 6am, the bars and the pubs closed down, the churches were full of people, and in two years, in little Wales, in 1904, in little Wales, in two years, over 100,000 people came to Christ, in two years. But it started with with It started with Evan Roberts unhappy with what he was seeing around him and and wanting God to move and seeking the Lord, seeking him again, seeking him again, seeking him again, and he saw God. And God visited him, and that gave him this resolve to go forward through the midst of a whole lot of opposition as well. Uh, One other story that just makes me want to just, God, I have to have more. I remember... um, uh, I, I get inspired by some of the men and women that I, I've been around in my lifetime. Wigglesworth's not around anymore, but uh, some of the men and women I've been around in my lifetime—they inspire me with this their desire to see God. And I remember uh, being here in Canberra, and I heard a story from uh, a pastor at Bethel Church by the name of Chris Vallotton. And Chris Vallotton shared this story about how when he was—he—he was, um, uh, he, he was uh, in. Uh, like a career transition and he went on like a little trip to minister at a YWAM base and he went on this trip with Bill Johnson to minister at a YWAM base and so he's traveling with Bill, uh, I think it was somewhere in California and and they stay in this like, you know, cabin or something and uh, so Chris is in a single bed and Bill's in a single bed and they're in the same room and in the middle of the night, Chris says he woke up, he's shared this publicly many times, He woke up in the middle of the night because Bill was praying in his sleep. And Bill was praying in his sleep. And this is what he was saying. Bill doesn't really yell. I don't think I've ever heard Bill yell. So Bill's just saying in his sleep, God, I love you. I want to know you. God, I love you. I want to know you. But he's in his sleep. And Chris actually said, this might shake you a little bit, but I'm good with it. Bill's stomach was even glowing as he's actually praying that. And Bill's just lying there saying, God, I love you. I want to know you. You know, you know and, and if any of you know anything about Bethel Church, like God has poured out his spirit in that place. If you just go visit it, it is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is absolutely extraordinary what happens there. But I think a lot of it goes back to not Bill didn't, des- I'm not saying Bill deserved it, but what was going on inside Bill's heart. Like, God, I love you. I just want to know you. I just want to know you. And I think a little bit like when God chose David, God just saw um, the heart of a person that was pure, just wanted to know him and said, I think I can trust him and has just poured out his spirit in that place and used Bill very, very powerfully. And Bill can share some pretty extraordinary things that's happened in his own life. And you can read those in his books. But I love that Bill's prayer, like he, he was praying it so much. He even shares how he actually sometimes would wake himself up praying that. He actually would wake himself up in the night praying, God, I love you. I want to know you. God, I love you. I want to know you. Bill wanted to see God, he knew there was more. He'd seen a lot. He'd seen, you know, the, 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 he'd seen God personally. He'd seen God move through that, you know, John Wimber and in the vineyard movement at that time. But he knew that there was even more. And I'm inspired by people like that. I want to be like that. I want to be that kind of a person. You know, David, I believe, he, he didn't long so much to see the sanctuary as to see his God. David didn't hear say in the sanctuary I've seen you. He didn't, he did he, sorry, he said in the sanctuary I've seen you. He was, it's evident he's not longing to see the sanctuary. He's longing to go back to seeing God in the sanctuary. I think if I can just talk more generally now about like church, just for a moment, like how we do church. Andrew already kind of touched on this earlier, like how how is it that we are supposed to do church? Like how, how is church supposed to look like? I, I would like to suggest that this, our, our churches, and I'm talking global body of Christ here, I'm talking the global body of Christ, how our churches should look is people should come and expect to see God. And actually, that's like our promotion. Come to my church because hopefully you're going to see God. But sadly, I'd like to suggest to you what we've done is what we've done in the modern church is we've sought to spruce up the sanctuary. We've sought to make the sanctuary maybe a bit hip, maybe a bit cool, you know, maybe like hyper welcoming. We've super focused on the coffee machine and the quality of our coffee, and uh, you know, what's the what's you know we've got to have a certain building. We've got to have the lights, smoke machines, and skinny jeans. You know, we we've we've. It, we, we, what we've done a lot is we've sought to spruce up the sanctuary and then we wonder why when a pandemic comes everyone leaves. because the people, a lot of those people, and it's not always the pastor's fault. <laughs> so I'm not up here to you know, brag about my friend here. I'm, I'm here to say it's not always the pastor's fault. but one of the things we've done as, as the modern church is is we've focused too much on the sanctuary. And actually what we should be doing is doing everything we can so that the people would see God. And how do we do that? Well, I think a lot of it is our value system. So I'm not talking now about what our carpet is and our chairs. It's what is the value system of the church? Like, what is our goal? What what are we doing? Because if we're here to have a great time and a great event and make it nice and cozy and welcoming and no one gets offended. We don't want anyone to get offended. We just want to be super inclusive. If that's how we are, well, we'll get what we built. But if we're just single eyed, I am here for God. Like, I am here to create a sanctuary where hopefully God says, I'll come in power and with my presence and with my glory and people will see. Hopefully God will do that and the people will see him. And that's that's what I think our central goal is about Church. Then we'll start talking about the important stuff, the discipleship, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the, the, the music, all that's important. I'm not saying it's not important, but I believe the central goal ought to be, are we creating a place where God says, I want to come and I want to not just visit, but I want to dwell there and people are going to walk in the building and their demons will come out. And I've seen that in places. You just literally need to get on the property of the building and sometimes demons come out of people. There's a few places in the world where I know that happens. What has happened at that property? God has found a resting place, a dwelling place. And so you just need to walk on the property and something's going to happen. And I think as a body, we need to not pursue a... A church experience or a church atmosphere. I don't want to be focused, and I'm talking as a church leader. Like, I'm on Zoom calls with pastors, I visit pastors all the time. So, I'm talking as a brother or sister with my fellow pastors and and leaders of churches. We need to not pursue a Sunday experience. We need to not pursue a Sunday atmosphere. Gosh, I hate that word. I really hate that word in church. What is an atmosphere? What we're pursuing is the Lord. Rick Joyner said this. He wrote a book. I forget what I think it's like called Apostolic Ministry, something like that. And he talked about what he prophesied what the church of the last days will be like. And he said this in the book. I stole this from Michael Miller from Upper Room. Rick Joyner said this. What would the church look like if we were built not to attract people but to attract God? Now, I'm probably going to offend some of you, but that's okay because I'm on a plane in two weeks. So, I'm good. So, the mess, unfortunately, will rest with those on the front row. But I don't mind, like, running the risk of offending people because I believe we've got to make some changes, like in the church, the global church. We've got to make... I'm not saying what we're doing... not saying everything we're doing is wrong and we just need to throw it all out. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what if the church was built... Not to attract people, but to attract God. First, what would our Sundays look like? I just heard a testimony of a church in Melbourne where the, the pastor had a personal face-to-face encounter with God. He was so powerfully touched in this encounter with God that a two-hour service went on, actually turned into a nine-hour service. Now, I'm not, t- I'm not telling you that. I-, I-, I love this story because it's actually just down the road in Melbourne. So I love this story. So the service normally goes for two hours, went for nine hours. People were calling their friends who were on vacation and saying, you need to get back to church because something's going on here. This is radical. This is awesome. You need to get back from your, ho- I said vacation, holiday. Sorry, slipped up. No one threw any apples at me. They said, you need to get back here and, uh, and you need to come back here because God is moving. And the service went for nine hours. Well, well I'm in Australia. I, I said to my, my friend Dave, I said, I need, I need the number of that pastor because I want to go visit that church. <laughs> and so next week, my wife and I are going to go visit that church. We just want to be there because I'm hungry to see a place where God dwells. Like we're, we're, we, we, we just gather to see God. I want to see God. I want that for my personal life. And I want to see that in the body of Christ, in our churches. That I want that to be what we're known for. That the world comes because they come because they heard God was there. I want the world to come because they heard God was there. Not because we had the best flat whites in the region. But I do love flat whites. I'm almost out of time. Um, David says in uh, the second part of um, verse 2, he says, I've seen you in the sanctuary, and then he says, and witnessed your power and glory. I've witnessed your power and glory. Uh, the, the witness, that, that the Hebrew words there, and witnessed, could also be, in, in, in the Hebrew, it's actually like seeing. I've been seeing your power and glory. Um, according to the scholars at New English Translation, it says, The preposition, here we go, the preposition with the infinitive construct, you all know what that is, don't you? The preposition with the infinitive construct here indicates an accompanying circumstance. What does that mean? He's seen God, but then an accompanying circumstance is I've seen power and glory. So I see God, but then accompanying that, David's saying I'm seeing I've seen power and glory. Those are the two attributes that stood out for for David. He could have probably written about numerous different attributes, but he's Recalling that he saw power and glory, oh, I get chills. Those were the two attributes that most impressed themselves on his mind when he'd been in the holy place. Uh, in First Chronicles chapter sixteen, verse twenty-seven, uh, David's got a song there in First Chronicles sixteen twenty-seven, and he says this majestic splendor emanates from him. Talking of God. He is the source of strength and joy. Let me read that again. Majestic splendor emanates from him. He is the source of strength and joy. Majestic splendor emanates from him. He is the source. He is the source of strength and joy. This is not... God is not like... God is not like a cool roller coaster ride. He he is awesome. Um I remember hearing Jack Hayford say when the when the elders bow down and say holy 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 that's not that the elders are not saying, you know, like clean clean clean. That's not what that word means. He said we we don't do our English language can't do, we don't do so well with that word, you know, the, the Greek word they're holy. We, we don't translate that so well. But he said, the best translation I can come up with, with that word, holy, 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 that word is awesomely complete. You are awesomely complete. You are awesomely complete. Majestic splendor emanates from you. Whoa! Whoa! Cover my eyes or bow down to the ground. I can't. I can't take it anymore. It's like it's almost like the elders are just like undone. Like this is gonna break me. Whoa! Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is our God. That is that is not Him. That is not Him. You know, after the one thousand year reign, that is not Him. After you know the end of the age you know, with the new heavens and new earth, that is him now, right now. Like when we gather here and we sing and we praise and we dance and we wave flags, that is who we are before, right now. When we pray in our bedroom or in our car or in our living room or when we sing before him or if you're like me, you go for a walk in your suburb, you go for a walk on the streets And that way you can sing out loud and no one will hear you and and ring the police and complain. And and so when you do that, and you do that, you are actually doing that before the Lord. The King of glory, power and glory emanates from Him. We've only tasted just a little. We've seen only just a little. And this is what our life should be given to. The pursuit of the holy, seeing him, knowing him. This is why you are born again. You are not born again so that, you know, God can just populate heaven a little more. No, you are born again because he wanted to bring you into the awesomeness of the Trinity and to bring you in, the Trinity said, I want to bring you in and give you the pleasure of, of seeing and having fellowship with us. I will give you the privilege because of my son who spilled his blood for your sake. I will give you the privilege so that you can come in. And by the way, again, we were made the tabernacle. We are now the tabernacle, the the New Testament says. And so he said, I'll bring you into this and now you get to see me. Jesus said in John, eternal life is this, to know God. Eternal life is knowing God. We get to see Him, we get to know Him, and this should be what we wake up in the morning doing. And, and I'm telling you right now, that is not me every day. I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. So I, I just want to tell you, I don't, I'm not like Bill and wake myself up praying, God, I want to know you. I am not there, but I'm... I'm I want to move forward i I, I want to know him more i want to be hungry and god god is really moved by that god's real moved by seeking he's not moved by titles he's not moved by whether you're you know whether you have a title in your business or in your you know your department or moved by whether you have a title in your church he's not moved by whether you use the microphone or not He's moved by hunger, things like hunger, and of course other things like humility and, and other things like that. But I can tell you he's moved by hunger. He is definitely moved by hunger. I think it's probably why he chose David when he was just a shepherd with sheep out in the middle of nowhere in a paddock. I haven't said that word in a while. In a paddock, you know, it was sheep. I don't think it was a paddock, a field. It was a field. With the sheep, I think that's why he chose David because he saw what was in David's heart like a heart like this God, I want to see you, I want to know you. I don't really know you, but I want to know you more. I want to see you. Uh, just a couple of things, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Just a few more minutes. Power in its biblical usage, um, this Hebrew word refers to like might or strength. And so, David's saying, Whoa, I'm seeing. Power. I'm seeing your might. I'm seeing your strength. Whoa. Which is why we need to remember that we are coming before a God that saves, which is the greatest expression of his power. A God that does healing. A God that does miracles. A God that casts out demons. A God that literally can change a weather pattern over an entire city. A God that can put out a bushfire in 10 minutes. That is our God. And so that's the God that we, are at. we have an invitation to see, a God of power. And then David recounts uh, the glory of God. And he's, um, in, in Exodus um, 24, verse 17, it says, To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. The glory of the Lord is not like a, Ooh, yeah, that's nice. You know, like, whoo, yeah, I got some little tingles. Oh, that's nice. No, the glory of the Lord is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the glory of the Lord. Like, the, the children of Israel saw it and said, that is like a consuming fire. That is not like a, ooh, I just felt nice in the meeting today. No, oh, I felt nice when I played that new song by Kari Job. You know, it's, it's like, whoa. The glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire for the children of Israel. The glory of the Lord in, um, I think it's 1st or 2nd Kings, the the priests could actually no longer continue ministering. It was too much. It was just too much. And they had to actually cease ministering. The the priests in the temple, they just couldn't do it anymore. They couldn't minister anymore. They couldn't do the the rituals and the ordinances. They couldn't do it because the glory of the Lord was just... Now, I'm not saying that's like what our life should be like every day, okay? I'm not saying that. But I'm just simply, I'm trying to do my best for myself and for you to show from Scripture that there is so much more. There is so much more, and and we are invited into this process of seeing Him like that. We are invited into this process this journey, this relationship, this beautiful communion with him to see him like that. And first and foremost, we see it in Scripture. And then second of all, we see it in the life of people like Charles Spurgeon. I've seen it with Catherine Kuhlman. I see and I hear and I read of their experiences and I go, God, there is so much more. I want to know you. So that's why I think that the desires of our heart ought to be shaped by this. When we see these stories, when we read Psalm 63, when we see David you know, and the children of Israel describe what, the, what they saw, it invites us into a journey, into an experience. It invites us to reshape our values and our desires and decide, what am I pursuing? Like What am I doing as a Christian? like what like that's a great question for us to ask like and i say it with a smile on my face what am i doing as a christian like what am i doing you know one of the tragedies i see around the world is christians have not come back after covid that is crushing but that tells me that they're not seeing jesus like david was seeing jesus now i'm the lord now i know none of us are but the point is is that we need to have a, a revaluing. What's the word? A reevaluation of our values. What are we pursuing? Why are you a Christian? Why are we here to pursue Him first and foremost to know Him? And the beauty is, is it's actually by His grace that we do that. The thing is, is like I'm, I'm encouraging you to pursue Him, but the truth is, is it's actually His grace that helps us do that. So He kind of says take my hand. But by the way, I'm just going to round your back. I'm just going to give you some grace there, and that's going to help you to take my hand. And now you can pursue me. pursue pursuing no me, there's so much more. You've only tasted. There is, there is no greater reward for you and I than to see God. I can tell you that right now. And that is probably why Hopefully, if my life was threatened in the name of Jesus, I would hopefully give my life because this world has nothing to offer me, but Jesus is everything. And I want to just end by that with the words of that amazing song that we will all know. Uh, it's, it's an African-American spiritual called Give Me Jesus. And the words of that song, why don't you stand and I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to sing it because it's going to hurt your ears. So I'm just going to say it. Why don't we just stand, as as I recount the words of this famous African-American spiritual that that really kind of came into prominence through the the slaves in South Carolina in the 1800s who would sing words along these lines. And they would sing, "In In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You may have all this world. Give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Jesus. You may have all this world. Give me Jesus. Just close your eyes. God, I'm asking that you would do a work in us today. By your grace, would you do a work in us? If it's possible to have the keyboard player, I, I, that would be awesome. I just want to wait for a few minutes here. I promise to not go too much longer. Uh, but I just want us to wait on God for a second. Because it's great to you know hear a sermon and, and go, yeah, that was nice and I, I feel helped and but it's another thing to actually be transformed by the holy spirit. And so God, I just I want to invite you right now to just do a work inside of me and my friends today, my brothers and sisters, to do a work inside of us where we are we are like David where we're longing to see you more. Let the longing, the yearning of our hearts be to see you more, to know you more. We are not in this for blessing. We are not in this for riches. We are not in this for fame and renown. We are in this to know you. We are here and we are doing this Christian life to know you. And there is so much more to know. And I want to ask, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would just just even begin to just fall on people this morning. Would you just fall on people in this room and touch them, Father? Give them a, a taste that even invites them into more. All across the room, I pray, Holy Spirit, that that you would just begin to fall on people, that you would begin to touch their hearts, that you begin to touch their lives, that you would begin to touch them, body, soul, and spirit, and that they would be awakened with a greater desire to see you and to know you. God, I pray that it would be like when we get into our car, we're we're like, woohoo because it's a moment where I can just see you. The, the driving becomes an opportunity to see you. That taking a shower becomes an opportunity. I can know you more in here. I've got five minutes but that's okay. That's enough. God, I want to see you. I want to know you. Lord, even in the night, let us see you. Let us know you. Let us see you. Let us see you. King of glory, we want to see you. I just want to invite you, even just now, like tell the Lord you want to see him. Like if that's your heart, like tell him that. How are we going to see God more? I believe most simply is we let our desires be shaped and then we ask. We let our desires be aligned to him, calibrated to him, and then we ask, God, we want to see you. We want to know you. We want to see you. Holy Spirit, would you fall and would you transform? Let us not be the same. We don't want to just be a spectator in the game. We actually want to be, we want to see you more. We want to see you in the sanctuary. We want to see your power and glory. We want to see your power and glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, 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 Is the Lord God Almighty. And God, I just pray that you'd help us all to have our our desires and our values shaped. Lord, purify our motives, I pray. Lord, I pray that for me and I pray it for my brothers and sisters. Purify our motives, God. Let us have a pure heart like David. are holy. Just, I just had this sense, like, the Lord wants to say to some of you, like, I'm waiting for you. I just, I felt that word, like, for, for many of you, the Lord would say to you today, I'm waiting for you, like, uh, it's almost like I just saw the Lord in your bedroom, just waiting waiting for you he's like i'm i'm waiting for you come and be with me i'm waiting for you it's not like the lord is, the lord is not angry or disappointed right now god is saying i'm waiting for you i'm waiting for you come and meet me come and meet me there's, you've tasted but there's so much more i'm waiting for you And I think some of you, you actually, um, I I think there's there's even some of you in the next, I feel like it's going to be in the next one year, you are actually going to have like a, a powerful encounter with God that will actually even offend your mind. I've only, I've had that happen a few times where it's literally like I felt that the encounter with the Lord was so intense that it even offended my mind. Some of the ways my body reacted in the encounter, it was a little bit offensive to my mind. And that's okay. We just need to tell the mind, you're secondary right now. Not flush it down the toilet, you're secondary. Just for the moment, my spirit is leading here. And the Lord can do what he wants with my life. And I just feel to say to some of you that there will actually be a, such a powerful encounter with the Lord in the next one year. That you, it will actually be offensive to your mind. But I want to say to you, that's okay. The Lord can work with that. Just do your best to put your mind on the back seat and not let it be in the driver's seat. Just let it be submissive to your spirit. God meets us spirit to spirit. And so I just declare that there's going to be powerful encounters like my friend had in Melbourne, where he just met the Lord face to face and he could barely stand after it. And it's literally, I've watched it through social media, through text messages. I can see he is turned into a new person. He's like a different person after that encounter. And I've seen that happen in my own life. And I've seen that happen in many people's lives. Where literally a face-to-face with the Lord in an unusual way has literally changed them forever. I pray that for you. Last thing, and then I'm going to close. If you are here today and you have never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus. If you have never, ever said, Jesus, you are my king. I'm following you, you have my whole life, forgive me for my sin, you are my God. If you've never done that, today's a good day to do it. And And you cannot experience the presence of the Lord and His kingdom in such a way as I have talked about until you are born again. And so I want to say as a friend to you today, would you please make a decision to say, Lord, save me and let me be born again. Let me be a child of God. If you've never, ever said, Jesus, you can have my life, I want you to do that today. And I want to pray with you uh, in this moment. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone that you want to do that? And, and say, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life with eyes closed as much as possible. Is there anyone that you need to surrender your life to Jesus? You've not done that. I'm not asking you, are you a Christian? I'm not asking you. Uh, do you fill out Christianity on the census? I'm not asking you, do you come to church? I'm asking you, have you said, Jesus, you are God, you died, you rose from death, you have my life, you have my past, my present, my future. If you've never done that, I want to I ask you, and, and you would like to do that, I want to ask you to raise your hand. If you're online... Uh, you can, I'm going to pray for you in a moment if you're watching online because there may be people online. Okay, I'm just going to pray. God, if there's anyone here that uh, is, anyone in um, watching online, if they are making a decision today to surrender their life to you, God, I pray that they would uh, find your presence in this moment. I pray they find your grace, your saving grace. And uh, if you're online watching this, uh, basically, I just want you to say in your own words, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my mistakes. I believe that you can forgive me and make me clean. And I want you to say in your own words, Jesus, I give you my life. You can have my past, my present, and my future. And just say that to the Lord out loud. And as I close now, I just wanna bless you Father, I thank you so much for these amazing people, Lord. You love them, you chose them, you've called them. I pray that you would meet them in a new ways in the weeks and months ahead. I bless them. Father, would you bring them into deeper relationship with you? Would you, Father, would they, would they have a value system that really lines up with your heart? And Lord, would you bless them? Would you prosper them? Uh, Would you pour out your spirit on them? Make your face shine upon these beautiful men and women. And I bless them in your name.